Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. Uh, like normal on Fridays, not always, but hopefully most of the time when we're both able to make it work, joined by my buddy, Rich Rebar from sharpfootballanalysis.com. And uh, we are here to make our, uh, our five favorite picks against the spread this week. Uh, I mean, hard for us. We, we, we did okay last week. We were both very confident in the Dallas Cowboys. And... Um, you know, McCarthy is going to McCarthy, I guess. It, it looked like the clapper was still out there on the sideline. Tough scenes. <laughs> that, that, that man, the first half, they were, their defense just was lost. I think it was more Mike Nolan for me, and then they adjusted. I mean, my, the first half, Mike Nolan looked like he had no counter. And Mike Nolan's a guy who hasn't coached in the NFL. And um, how many years has it been that Mike Nolan hasn't been in the NFL? And, you know, Mike McCarthy dusted him off. I wonder if that's going to be a problem, just Mike Nolan's approach, because it took him a while to send some heat at Goff. Goff is, you know, we know Goff. He's the, the Derek Carr type guy. Like, if he's on script, like, he's fine. Like, Derek, like Goff, Goff can wing it if he's got no pressure. It's when you get him, off, you know, off structure. When the play structure breaks down, Goff is like erratic. And we saw the Cowboys finally start to bring some heat in the second half of that game. But at that point, too, without Lael Collins, I mean, Dak in the second half of that game just had no time. I mean, he only threw – he threw for under four yards for pass attempt in the second half. And, you know, granted, they had the fourth down, you know, play they didn't pick up. And then the Gallup OPI kind of kind of ran against us. But, uh, listen, I not to spoil anything, I'm going right back to Dallas this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sweating it. I actually, I actually okay. think sort of in a way – a loss where they were being really conservative and where they were running a ton on, on first down, that might've actually been a good lesson for them to learn because if, if McCarthy and those guys are any good at self scouting at all, they're going to watch that game and they're going to be like, well, no wonder we didn't score any points. Like we were just doing the most conservative, predictable stuff time after time. Like we weren't even making it hard for the Rams defense at all. So I, I'm, and again, I mean, against Atlanta, like, uh, that offensive line should have, you know, a little bit easier of a time basically is, is sort of what we're thinking. So I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah. I mean, we can just, I mean, we can just talk about it if we want. I mean, I don't know where you have it slotted, but I mean, I'm going right it's, back. Uh, it's it. my number three. And then, I mean, you look at Atlanta too, and you look at Atlanta's yardage and like, they were never, they were in that game to start. And then they just got boat raced and put a bunch of garbage time. They were actually in the bottom of the league and play success rate through three quarters um, against the Seahawks. So, I mean, they go on the road now. Dallas gets a home game coming off of a loss. I also love betting teams that come off of a loss in a lot of these early in the season. I typically like to bet 0-2 teams more than 0-1 teams. We can talk about that if I come on next week, just some of the trends that go along with that. But uh, definitely like these teams that let down. I'm going right back to the Cowboys. I don't think that – when you saw, like, Russ, they finally let Russ cook against that Atlanta secondary. 
those two boundary corners that they got second year Isaiah Oliver, who was just awful last year and then was bad in week one. And then the rookie AJ Terrell, who they ironically took over CD lamb, who they'll face and get a good look at what's so funny. This week. Yeah. Um, he was rough. He get every target in uh, AJ Terrell's coverage was completed last week. Um, I think it's a great bounce back spot for Michael Gallup. You know, there's going to be one of these Cowboys guys a week. I think that it's going to oscillate to where, just one of these guys, there's just not enough footballs or one of these, like it's going to go like the end of year numbers are all look good, but on a weekly basis, one of these guys is going to have these games where they get like four targets. And last week it was Gallup and we might feel different if that 47 yarder is included at the end, but you know, he was the guy that wasn't getting the looks last week. I think he is the guy that's going to get him this week with Amari. I think it's a boundary corner week game uh, for them. Uh, because those two corners were just beat up by the Seahawks wideouts, and they're just running to another buzzsaw this week. So I just think it's going to be another game where the Falcons have to drop back a ton and have to go for the backdoor cover. Uh, yeah, I mean, the backdoor cover is going to be very in play against this Dallas defense. I think that this is probably going to be one of those very, very uh, high uh, passing volume matchups from both sides. Like, really would not surprise me to see both sides kind of abandon the run for – stretches during this game I I think that I mean four and a half is probably a roughly fair line but I definitely like I definitely like the Dallas side there and if you lose this one it's definitely going to be of the uh the Joseph Burrow backdoor variety I don't I do not see the Falcons boat racing the Cowboys in this one at all and the Falcon side's been getting the steam early I mean it's gone down uh you know, since it opens. I mean, they're the ones getting the steam. Like I said, I think it's good. It's already passed like the, the key numbers. It's not going to get to another key number at this point. So, you know, I think that it's, if you're getting it, if you're giving, you know, uh, you know, less than a touchdown, it's fine. I think they can easily win by a touchdown still in this game. Um, yeah, I'm going, like I said, I'm going right back to the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, I'm in, I'm in on that one for sure. Okay. So my, my uh my least confident lean my my number five is uh the Los Angeles Rams minus one so basically just a pick 'em over the Philadelphia Eagles with sort of the thinking that Goff actually like I I just have never been one of these people that's wanted to bury Goff uh, I think Sean McVay is a better than average head coach and just the Eagles are are so banged up right now like it and it which just feels like it happens to the Carson Wentz led Eagles every single year. Like I, I think the Rams are, are slightly better than the Eagles basically. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one. I mean, I was surprised when all the like data came out on the games. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, the, the Eagles actually were like, not even in the bottom half of like pass block, you know, uh, loss rate. Like yeah. a lot of people would say, Oh, well that, you know, they got, they just got crushed the whole game, but actually, you know, I saw field. Yates, I think it was field Yates that tweeted it, that Wentz took seven of the eight sacks Wentz took, he held the ball for longer than four seconds. So like, and their game plan is, it was their game plan was terrible. If you watch that game, all they, and they were hucking it deep. Yeah, dude. All they were trying to do was throw like these long balls to Rager and, and Deshaun Jackson. It's like, get the ball out of your hands, use your tight ends and get the ball to Boston Scott and Corey Clinton out of the backfield. It's Wentz holding the ball and taking these sacks. Their game plan is what drive. It wasn't just the offensive line and granted they missed some pieces, those guys, and they're going to probably get Lane Johnson back for this game. But it was the game plan that really nuked them. I mean, you can't have him dropping back and holding the ball 
with when you lose all those pieces. I mean, it's just it was a disaster that Doug Peterson had. And I consider Doug Peterson a fairly guy, a guy that gets it more than not compared to a lot of these other guys. And it was uh, really frustrating to see them come out and do that. Even though I had the Washington side, it was just like, but you're just like watching. It's like, how do you not see this? How do you not? Well, I wanted that. I wanted Boston Scott and Ertz to be scoring fantasy points, right? Like I, I was <laughs> yeah. starting those guys in a bunch of seasonal matchups, and uh, they were not scoring any fantasy points because the game plan was so well. It was nice to see, I guess, the one, if I wanted to take something nice away for fantasy, it was nice to see Rager get deep, right, and for them to be using him kind of in that way, which is uh, where he was used as a sophomore at TCU but not in his final season at TCU. So I guess, I guess that was nice. But point remaining here, uh, I, like, I like the Rams side uh, a good bit. This is a one of only two games, too. We had a pretty unique week two slate already. It's only one of two games that are field goal or less. All the rest are pretty – you're giving – you know, they're all over a field goal, all the other lines. Um, a lot of big lines already in week two. Not nothing not nothing like we had last year where teams were laying like 15 because of the Dolphins, but uh, we've got nothing – only only those two games. This this game and the Colts game are the only ones that are within a field goal. What's uh, what's your thought on that? I, I, I wanted to pick the Colts in this one because the Vikings just looked so discombobulated at, at every level, but – I uh, I think I can't I think I can't bet on Philip Rivers. I think I just think I like value I think I value my own mental health so much to to avoid betting on Philip Rivers. It, it's interesting. Yeah, a lot of pulling dynamics. The Colts are really good. Uh, like, well, the Colts now with their loss in Week One, they have the longest ongoing streak of losing openers. They're now they've lost seven openers in a row. But under Frank Reich, they've come back and won the second game. Uh, you know, every year. And then Mike Zimmer is like he's since Mike Zimmer's been in Minnesota, they're the best team um, coming off of a loss. They're twenty eight and nine off of a loss, the best record in the NFL. So it's kind kind of have like two polling trends, kind of you know going at each other. What's funny about this game, and I've talked about it from a DFS stance a few times on a couple shows already is that this game has like potential to be like a really fun game, but you have to rely on rational coaching, and I don't yes. think we can count on it. Because the worst part of both teams are their secondaries, but then both teams inherently want to run the ball. <laughs> like So it's like, exactly. are the Vikings going to come out and say, hey, the worst thing the Colts are, depending on the pass, we should come out and be more aggressive. No, they're going to come out and do what they always do and play into the you know, slow trap. They threw five passes in the first half last week. <laughs> they didn't throw it all until the fourth quarter of that game. Um, but they should be aggressive. So you have to rely on rational coaching. And the Colts are the same way. Like We know they want to run the football a little bit too. And they've got Jonathan Taylor. I mean, granted, if Jack Doyle's out, it might help our cause a little bit because they played a ton of 11 last week. They actually had the most, highest rate of runs out of 11 last week at 91%. And if Jonathan Taylor can get a bunch of carries out of 11, man, whew, I mean, there's, there's an opportunity to cook there. So uh, this, <laughs> is, uh, this is another good question. Where do you, do you, are you really buying in on Naheem Hines? Like, do you think he's like a top 24 PPR back this week? Do you think he is? Uh, you know, Rivers' new Eckler, or are you a little bit less, a little bit more conservative about it? I'm a little more conservative on calling him the new Eckler, but I definitely believe that, yeah, like, I think he immediately jumps all the, the other guys of that archetype for fantasy, like the James Whites, the Cohens. I think he, he leaps all those guys. He's like, yeah. he, he's, he's, he definitely surpasses those guys. So if you would have come into the year and said, he's there, you would have, you got a value then. Because I think you're going to be able to play him weekly. And if we saw last week as well, he was involved. Like he was part of the actual offense. I mean, he was getting touches before Taylor was in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was absolutely a part of that offense. And that's what sways me. 
um, seeing that he was actually just like, it wasn't like he was thrust into this role. They were like, no, actually it's it, the inverse. Taylor's the guy that's being thrust into the role um, based on what they opened up and wanted to do. Um, and Mac was cooking in that game to start too. Um, yeah, I was. like that. I mean, I, if they're going to come out and play a bunch of 11 though, man, I mean, he's going to get lighter boxes. It's that's what we want, man. I mean, cause that's what's turned Zeke around a little bit too. And the Cowboys just used to ramrod Zeke and do the same thing offensively. Now that the Cowboys have all these players, I mean, you see like Zeke's stack box rate has decreased every year of his career. And now he's just running a ton out of 11. He looks amazing again because he's, he's really good. And when, they're, when you're not dictating the, to the defense that you want to run the football, uh, you can have a lot more success running the football. That's how you run successfully. <laughs> uh, so if Jonathan Taylor, with his type of rushing acumen, he's the most decorated runner we've had coming to the NFL, is going to get a bunch of carries out of 11. I mean, I don't know how you do, how you don't eat the chalk at least in cash with him this week. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I he's he's I might I might even lock him in in tournaments. Honestly, uh, I'm thinking about it. Because yeah, a lot of people uh, look at ownership and they might say like, oh, not to turn this into a DFS show, but they but might I say, mean, oh, well, he's, got, well, he's got 35 percent ownership. That's too high. Listen, you just go over that then if you want leverage. Like, I mean, I I locked play. Boston <laughs> Scott last week, who was. <laughs> Not quite at like I had him projected obviously for way more involvement in the passing game and he left at halftime with the injury or whatever. But Jonathan Taylor is like a way better play than Boston Scott. I had Boston Scott locked in, and then when the Bryce Love was inactive, I just swapped Scott to Gibson. Yeah, and it just it was I mean, it was a disaster. I got no tournament sweats because of that. Um, but in cash, it was fine because you know, all the other, all the other guys that had unlocked were just great. So the yeah. top chalk hit, so it didn't matter. Big time. Uh, all right. What is your, what is your number five pick? Um, I was going with back and forth between my four and five, but I'm going to go with the bills. Okay. Uh, I have this one as well. Yeah. I mean, well, the one that you got history on your side and they've won five consecutive games against Miami four and one against the spread and under Sean McDermott, they're five and one straight up against the dolphins four and two against the spread. Uh, they've outscored them 110 to 58 their past three matchups with the Bills scoring 31 or more points in all those games. And then I look at the Bills, and the Bills are a team, man, they get it. I feel like the Bills understand what they have in Josh it, Allen. Dable like, has been very impressive. They know what they have in Josh Allen, and that's what I love. They understand what he's not good at and where the shortcomings are, and they kind of lean into that in the, in the one, how they built their team, getting guys that can separate over clashing types. Uh, you know, I remember a lot of people were like, they should get T Higgins and said, so like, now nah, we're just gonna get Stefan Diggs guy to get open because our quarterback needs to see the throw to make it. Um, and sometimes he even misses those throws, but then you come out and see what they did week one, they spread everyone all over the field. And granted that could be some matchup dictation because their jets are one of these teams that don't get football and still sell out to try to stop the run. Uh, Greg Williams, like they just like thrive, like, well, listen, you ain't running the ball on us. Okay. Uh, right. Then, you know, so they, they spread them out. They run four wide on a lot of plays. You give Josh Allen easy reads. And if he doesn't have a read, you, t- you go take off and run, Josh. Then they used play action on 42% of his uh, dropbacks last week. It was second in the NFL, and it was the highest rate of his career. Last year, he only used play action on 23%. And on play action, he averaged eight and a half yards per pass attempt as opposed to five and a half yards without. Uh, just, just love this all together. And I think on the other side, the Dolphins, um, until – they either one get healthy or get two in. Like it's still gonna be a growing it's, process. It's no, they they suck, yeah. man. Yeah. Cam Cam he, had no pro. Cam had came off the couch. He's been in practice <laughs> for six weeks, and he they gave him no problems. And I I you know Laird, if you're listening, I love you, buddy. You 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 know keep trying, but you, like they're just not very good right now. 
Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick, we're at the point now, I think, where we just know he could get hooked at any time. And if Devontae Parker's not going to play, like Preston Williams coming off of that ACL, like he can't carry a passing game. Um, and they just don't yeah no and we have it. we have Devonte Parker with his hammy so it's just like yeah. all right we're running out we're running out hobbled Preston Williams Isaiah they kind of like Isaiah Ford and then they have Jakeem Grant as well so yeah and then Gasecki is still doing his thing I know a lot of people in the you know analytics community love Gasecki and I think he's an interesting guy but like the the guy like if you just look at like his career production like even when he was hitting last year like he's just not good. Like, I mean, and granted, there's a lot to be written about his career and see what happens, but like, he's just a very inefficient player and he's not a guy either. I can't even like, believe I invited you on this podcast just, to let you, I mean, to let you do this to my boy. I, listen, I understand this is a Davis Maddox special, but uh, I mean, he's just an inefficient player. I'm saying from the stance of like, he's not going to carry a game. Like he's not going to come out and like drop 120 and like be like, man, Gusecki wrecked that game and it wrecked my bet. It's just not, they don't have that guy on this offense. No, I think I just long term. I think what Gasicki is going to do is Gasicki is a, a very good red zone guy, like that. I think that that was what because he's not quite like agile and shifty enough to be like the slot guy. Like he he's really kind of just his fancy Jack Doyle, but I think he will be very good in the red zone someday. Yeah, he, right? He can top shelf it, man. Oh, he can top shelf it for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I had that. I had that one as well. I that I thought. I thought Buffalo was just. A, I thought Buffalo was just a very, very strong pick. Um, kind of because kind of what my thought is on these early lines is, you know, unless it's like ten, uh, I'm just I'm just not really sweating. You know, like a point versus half a point or whatever. Like and and we saw last week that they were not playing conservatively with the lead. You know, they weren't just handing off to Devin Singletary once they got up 10. They were still calling a very aggressive game script when they were up 17 against the Jets. Yeah, listen, Greg's even up 17, Greg's not going to let you run the ball on him. No, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so my next one is the t- – this is – I think this is the square one of the week, Tampa Bay minus nine and a half against the Carolina Panthers. That defense just looks terrible. Uh, all the narrative reasons you could ever want, right? Angry Tom, the, they, they got all these guys together. They got, they got boat raced in week one. They don't want to get boat raced again in week two. But then the real reasons are, it seems like what Carolina is bad at is what the Buccaneers kind of planned their offense around, which is running on first and second down and then short passing on third down. And I just, I don't really think, even, even if Brady is dust, um, I don't think that the Panthers would be able to stop that style of offense anyway. I thought I thought Brady's deep ball was actually really strong on Sunday. Yeah. And you know, he had a couple uh pass interferences on those deep balls, but they were like locked in on the money. But you said, I mean, it's one of these things you just look at Carolina and you're like, all right, the opposition is gonna start with, with twenty one points. Like are there yes. are like you automatically know they're giving up at least twenty one points. They've allowed three or more touchdowns in thirteen consecutive games. It's the longest streak in the NFL since nineteen sixty three, sixty four. They've allowed four or more That's amazing. In, in in five straight games. Um so I mean the other teams you when you see Carolina play, you're like, all right, well they're down twenty one nothing. Like already. Like you're like they're already down twenty one. So if the Bucks uh, could just hold them off and get some stops and the Bucks defense is a lot better than the Raiders defense as well. So uh, I think you're there. I just left that one off, but I it's probably one I'm gonna bet myself. Um, well, I, I, I just think I, I literally just think that the problem with it is that like your your uh, your dad's buddy who you are in like a 16 team league with or something for some reason, like he also is betting uh, the Buccaneers in this game. Like it is the it is the squarest yes. bet of the week, like no doubt. <laughs> so 
I don't feel, I don't feel great. I don't feel great about that, but you know, it, uh, it is, it very much is what it is. Okay. Uh, what's your, what's your next one? All right. So my next one probably, I don't know if you have this one and it might be a little contrarian early, but as long as it's under seven, I'm still with it, uh, is the saints, uh, against the Raiders. I, um, I have this one as well. All right, cool. It's, and it's really just more of like a trend thing for me. So the Raiders have like looked like a functional team under John Gruden against all bad teams and have looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL against all good teams. It's, it's yeah. since he's come back to the Raiders. They are ele- against teams with a losing record. They are 11 and seven and 12 and six against the spread against teams with a winning record. They're one and 14 straight up and three and 12 against the spread. It's just going to, I'm just going to keep playing that narrative uh, and play on that, that I don't believe the Raiders can punch up. They punch down. Uh, and, in that the uh, the Saints are one of the best teams still in the NFL, and the way they structure their offense, they can get by without having to throw a bunch of eight-yard passes to Michael Thomas. They can throw eight-yard passes to other guys. Um, and the Raiders' defense really can't, I don't think, can stop, uh, you know, can really force Breeze into mistakes. So uh, that's kind of just where my lean is. It's pretty cut and dry right there. What's your, what's your take on um, if – there is a fantasy winner out of the Michael Thomas missing a month, you know, outside of Kamara and cook. Like, are you, are you bumping Manny Sanders way up? Do you think Trey Quan is a thing? Do you think Deontay Harris is a thing? Or do you think it's really just Kamara and cook are going to go nuts now? Yeah, for me, for me, from a fantasy stance, it really solidifies Cook as being a, like a locked-in guy you can rank as like a top eight tight end, even probably top six tight end weekly. Whereas yep. I think there was some volatility to him because he was a low target guy. He was excellent last year, but he had under five targets a game. And that was like one of those things, like it was kind of hesitant for me to go back in on him this year. It was just like, man, the volume just really isn't there. Um, but, you know, now that is going to be there. He's going to be locked into his targets because he's the guy they actually use vertically. He's the guy that gets their vertical targets. Um, he was he led all NFL players last year, percent of receptions that went for 20 or more yards, even ahead of McCall Hardman. Uh, so, like, wow, that's yeah, he, he's their vertical guy. Uh, so to me, like at a tight end position, which is has, which we saw already in week one, we always say it's deep and it never is. Um, he just kind of gets solidified in there where you kind of draft. Yeah. Rest in peace, Blake Jarwin. (laughs) Oh yeah, man. I mean, all these guys are just kind of, I saw people taking victory laps on Johnny Smith for a 36 yard game because he caught a one yard touchdown. I'm like, what are we even, what have we come to? What have we come to? I'd rather, I'd take Logan Thomas rest the season over Johnny Smith. Dead ass. And and I like Johnny Smith too, but like when we're victory lapping 36 yard games, is this what the position is? This is what the position has come to. I mean, that is what the position has come to though. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Okay. My next one, your boys. The San Francisco 49ers. I mean, this this should be this. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think the fair line for the 49ers over the Jets should be? Like 14? I mean, I'm like, come on, seven points. Yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah right. I, I think it's just one of those things. The narrative of them going east and then all the injuries. Oh, have. the time zone thing. Yeah, I don't care. They could play. They could play this yeah. game on a tanker boat, um, uh, in like Antarctica, and I would I would take the 49ers by seven here. I mean, the jets are a legit contender to go like two and 14. They look terrible. Yeah. The 49ers are staying out there too. Cause they actually play then the same stadium. They play the giants next week. So they're staying out there. Oh, um, love that wrinkle. Yeah. I mean, good. Thank the schedule makers for some foresight, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just the injuries, the jets, like you said, though, it's just, even with the 49ers injuries, like they're competent enough to like one stop what the Jets want to do. And if Jamison Crowder is not going to play too, no Le'Veon Bell. 
I mean, you're relying on Brashad Perriman and Josh Adams and Chris Herndon and Sam Darnold uh, to, to score any points. How do they even score in this game? What like they're gonna need like a they're gonna need like a Jimmy Garoppolo pick six or like something weird like the score because the 49ers could even if Kittle doesn't play can just play conservatively even with they're yeah. not gonna have Sherman and they probably won't have a fellow Witherspoon but one they still have the defensive line they can get after the quarterback and they can run the ball functionally enough even against Greg Greg's gonna sell out to stop the run no doubt uh, yes but the, but if the 49ers can like this be one of those games I think like even though I think right what's it at now 40 the total um uh right now the total is 41 and, 41 and a half dude i mean like you may laugh it's like man i can't bet an under on 41 and a half like this could be a game where the 49ers just win like 20 to nothing or 20 to three seriously like, though <laughs> yes yeah um i just like you said i'm with you i just don't know how the jets really score um on anyone really let alone a good defense even with some missing parts yeah uh, I, I, com- I, com- I completely agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I just, I just do not think that the Jets <clears throat> have the firepower to be competitive in this game. And if you, I mean, like even, even think about this. Think about Sam Darnold in the Burrow situation from Thursday night. Are you confident in him going 80 yards, converting fourth downs to get the backdoor cover? Like, absolutely oh, no. not. You're like, no way. No way. <laughs> no. Yeah, Absolutely. so I, I just think I think this one is I think that one is uh, is very solid. Uh, okay, so what is your what is your next one? Uh, I'm trying to think of where we are. Oh, we're to like the super chalk for me because listen, until we get burned, like we can lump this yep. take together if I, you want. This is my number one. I mean, until we get burned, it's both the Ravens and the Chiefs. Like, I mean, I want to tell yep. them, like, I'm going to keep betting these teams. Well, the Chiefs have covered, dating back to last year, eight straight games. So since Andy Reid has also been with the Chiefs, they are a league's best 32 and 10 against the AFC West. Over the past five years, the, the Chiefs are 27 and three against the AFC West. And, they're, and that includes 11 and two record against the Chargers, 9 3 and 1 against the spread. And the Chargers are another one of those teams. You watch week one and, and you see what the Browns did to that Bengals defense. And granted, it was a short week. The Chargers offense, they got nothing, man. They've got nothing. I mean, uh, look Tyrod. at what the look at what the Browns did to that Bengals defense, and then look at what Tyrod did against them. Nah, they scored man. 16 points, dude. Yeah, Tyrod isn't it, man. And like, I don't see it any way how Tyrod matches Mahomes. Like, with a, it, it's nine, eight and a half, nine points. There's no way. I think that they win by double digits. Uh, you could tease this game up, I think, uh, even higher, and get yourself some more big. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yep. I, I'm I'm in. I'm gonna bet the Chiefs from here out until they don't cover and then I'll probably still bet him again afterwards. Uh, and then I feel similarly with the Ravens uh, and especially against Bob and the Texans because they roasted them last year. Uh, the defense is still really, really strong and elite. Uh, the Ravens are one of these weird teams, man. They just get pieces that are good. You know, you're like, all right, well, they cut Earl Thomas. Uh, they lose, they lose a couple pieces. They just add Clayus Campbell. They add Patrick Queen. It's fine. We got these guys. And then Lamar picked right where he left off. I mean, he's still in week one, led the NFL in passes, uh, yards for passes and have been touchdown rate. And <laughs> like, so regression will have to wait. And it's what not going to probably if, happen. What if Lamar Texas. got better? Because, like, I think we can all acknowledge that, like, Lamar had ways to improve as a passer, right? He was not always yeah. – he was not always, like, the most accurate. What, what's weird about him is he's actually more accurate moving. And when he, his feet are set, he actually 
with like airmail. Like I, I remember there were a couple Mark Andrews touchdowns last year that weren't touchdowns because Lamar just put it four feet over his head. Well, the first he, Andrews touchdown on Sunday, he's wide open and he airmailed it. Andrews made like a ridiculous a catch. A ridiculous catch, like, yeah. But it was it was an easy throw that Lamar actually missed and Andrews, uh, you know, Andrews bailed him out. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, I think it's because, it's, I don't know, I'm not a QB guru. I mean, you could ask, you know, get Greg Cosell or Greg Rosenthal on here. But I mean, his sure. release is still kind of, you know, he doesn't have like a, He's like kind no, of he doesn't repeat it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that maybe is probably just is some of the – probably some of his inaccuracies. But listen, Hollywood, healthy, looked great. <sighs> looked amazing. Ripping. Yeah, Hollywood looked great. I mean, they just did what they wanted last week. And they didn't even run well. And they're going to run well on Houston. The Browns through two weeks at least look like the one functional part of their defense as they could – they might be able to stop the run. Uh, you know, Houston got shredded by Clyde Edwards-Alaire in his first game. Uh, I, they got shredded on the ground against the Ravens last year. They got boxed. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just going – I mean, I know they had a little extra time to prepare and try to recalibrate what went wrong on that first Thursday night game. But I just don't think the Texans are even in this weight class. They're not even in the weight class of these, team, of these, of these elite, you know, AFC teams. No, the, the offensive line is too bad, and Bill O'Brien does is not a good enough coach for them to be in this weight class. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, just going to keep agree. sticking with those two teams that have done me well. Uh, <laughs> like, why go away from what's what's worked and put money in my pocket? Yeah, I mean, I these were my these were my one and two was was Baltimore minus seven, Kansas City minus eight and a half, and I just I mean, what I just don't know why you'd go a different way. Yep, open and shut, man. I mean, eventually one of these teams will like lay like a like probably have like run into just a game where they're not they dropped like their B game. But even on a, that Thursday night game to open the season, I mean, that was I would call that a Chiefs B game. Like I would call a that a Chiefs C game. game. They ran more times than they passed. And they and they shredded. Like it wasn't even a close game. Yeah. Uh I mean Baltimore <laughs> is more Baltimore is more liable to drop a bomb because the, I still don't think they have a plan down ten points. Like right. I, I don't I don't know if they have that continue like if Kansas City gets down ten points like I don't like they probably don't even notice like they're just like what you know like Clearly. Mahomes is yeah Mahomes is probably like oh this is actually fun because now I don't have to hand off at all and I can just do whatever I want like I think for Baltimore they probably get a little bit tight down ten points or whatever but mm-hmm. I mean that would really be the only concern not even that they're likely to get down ten points in this game anyway yeah absolutely so I mean yeah like I said I mean why why go against what's worked. Yeah, I mean, it just it, it it is it is just absurd. Uh, it's just absurd that uh, that these teams are so good. I mean, they are, I think, the clear two best teams in football, and I don't think the NFC has um, a representative that's in this division. I, I I wish that. I mean, if we get these two teams in the AFC Conference Championship, that would be uh, pretty fantastic. Though I, I get it. Does it line up that way? If they were the one in the two seed, it doesn't line up that way, right? No, well, I'm, I'm not. I have to check to see how because that works the seven teams this year. Yeah, like, I, I, because I don't know how it works now. What goes down? They play though next week. They play each other again. Again? How do they keep get? I mean, well, not that I'm keep complaining. Divisions. They all keep winning divisions. Oh so, yeah. I mean, those know, are great regular season games. Yeah, um, they've been fun, and that's when you might get your Lamar negative game script game. You know, because uh, they did that to him last year, but it was early in the year before the Ravens retold their defense. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But because uh, I really wanted to see last year Mahomes go back up against that Ravens defense that after Marcus Peters was just like on fire. Um, and then they kind of picked up where they left, left off. And I want to see what happens because they haven't allowed a hundred yard receiver since they acquired Marcus Peters. So I'm real curious. To wow. See, that's like, crazy. Yeah. Think, I mean, they've been, they've so, been so are you, there. are you off? Are you off of Fuller? 
I mean, I think he's fine for like a tournament play because it only takes one. You know, he's the type of guy that always is like a play away. But uh, I've like, if from like a ranking stance, like a general expectation stance, I have him lower than I had him last week. Yeah, I think that I think that sounds but about right. If I right. have him, I'm probably starting him still just because the target value I think will be there. And I, I'm encouraged with the way they used Will Fuller. He got it wasn't just Will Fuller getting, you know, twenty five yard A dot, you know. No, yeah, no. They were they were giving him the Hopkins targets. You know, they were giving yeah, yeah. him eight yard crossers, which, which he is needed. Encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, which is encouraging. I think you're okay. Like if listen, if if there if floor play fuller becomes part of his, you know, acumen, that's just that's even more of a smash. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like if he a, is if like he is playing look. if he is playing, uh, you know, if he's getting Kiki Cutie targets and Will Fuller targets, that's that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right, man. Tell people about uh, what you guys have going on over at Sharp Football. Yeah, SharpFootballAnalysis.com. You can follow the worksheet. We do some you know DFS content every week. Uh, we're doing a pre-snap motion podcast for fantasy with me and my boy Chad Scott. I'm doing another podcast. A, a great Eagles. listen, by the way. Beautiful, man. I appreciate it. And then Sharp Angles, I'm doing a podcast with my uh, with a big betting guy. If you guys follow Cleve TA on Twitter, um, he's a good follow if you're into betting. He crushed week one, just absolutely slaughtered. And uh, Dan Pizzuto, who I believe is one of the most underrated actual football writers uh, in the industry. And he does like a Monday morning piece that you guys should definitely be checking out, like a recap. He puts a bunch of gifts and nice little knowledge and drops some notes in there. I, I um, read that this week. It is yeah. it is very good. He's very good, man. Very underrated. He's wrote the foreword for like Warren's book for a couple of years. Then he also writes in the Football Outsiders book. Um, but for some reason, like his followers just don't keep growing, man. We got to get him. He's a great follow though for, so I do like a real football based show. Where we talk betting and more game matchup stuff on that show away from the fantasy side, but uh, definitely check all that stuff out and uh, just keep following us, man. All right, there we go. Everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. And uh, you know, just think of us when Baltimore and Kansas city are covering yet again. Build digital first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy to launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.